Matthew, chapter 24, verses 3 to 14. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars, rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated for all nations for my name's sake. And then many shall be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because injustices shall abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. The word of God for the people of God. So at this time, I'm going to invite forward our, our, uh, our guest preacher, uh, someone who will be familiar to, uh, to people who have been part of Court Street for, for a while. I've been here at Court Street for more than seven years now. In that time, uh, Dane Walling has served in any number of leadership capacities, has served on many different uh, committees uh, in ministries within the church, and has even served beyond uh, the local church in district ministries and in leadership beyond the city of Flint. Um, and, and it occurred to me uh, as I was looking ahead to this Sunday a few weeks ago, that of all the many things that Dane has done in the seven years I've been here, I've never heard him preach. Uh, and, uh, and so I reached out to see if he was willing. Um, and uh, and uh, with some trepidation and a little hemming and hawing, he, um, it turns out it was. Uh, and so uh, I'm going to ask you, please, because I think he's a little nervous probably, uh, being up in front of all of you. Let's, uh, let's give God thanks and let's welcome Dane Walling to the pulpit this morning. Well, thank you very much, Pastor Jeremy, and good morning, everyone here and, and wherever uh, you are, where you have found us at Court Street. The scripture reading gives us this pretty dark picture, and it relates to where we are in our series on the Lord's Prayer. We're near the end. Deliver us from evil. So these words of Jesus in today's scripture, you know, to me, you know, spoke to where we are um, in the Lord's Prayer. This prayer that Jesus earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, it's recorded, taught the disciples, uh, 
this prayer that's come down to us from generation to generation, a prayer that is at the center of the Christian faith, a prayer we say practically every worship service here at Court Street. So I did get to thinking, Pastor Jeremy, that there may have been a somewhat easier assignment than uh, this for my first time in the pulpit. Um, But we're on God's time, and it's an honor uh, to offer the sermon and message this morning. I I pray that my words are inspired by the Holy Spirit and received by all of you with God's grace. Just a quick outline. I want to start by looking at at Jesus' words from the scripture today. It's recorded in Matthew's Gospel I want to share a story of one time in my life when I encountered a particularly repulsive evil. And this story, which comes from my time as mayor, includes uh, details of violence. So I say that um, so that you have a sense for what's coming and to know that I prayed over finding the words uh, to express this. I don't feel that the evil in the deliver us from evil, is something to be glossed over. I'll also offer what I see as important about the us, as in the deliver us. In this series already, Pastor Jeremy described the importance of us in how we are provided with bread for our bodies and also our souls and how this happens as we care for one another. Likewise, uh, Pather Lethe last week spoke about how the plea in the Lord's Prayer to be forgiven is bound with a mutual commitment to forgive others. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, we find again that we are in this together. Deliver us from evil. I believe that how we act in Christian community is part of our deliverance. Now, to go to this morning's scripture, Jesus is issuing um, the first century version of emergency alerts of evil in the forecast. Very dark clouds are on the radar. Extreme and dangerous conditions are on the way. Jesus foretells the destruction of the temple, tells his disciples later in the, the chapter not one stone will be left here upon another. Not one stone. Wars, nations against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms, earthquakes, famine, starvation, people hiding in the hills from betrayal, torture, lawlessness, suffering, death, mourning the desolation and destruction of life, land, truth, This is not some kind of abstract philosophical evil. It's it's engulfing. It's buildings being destroyed as bombs rain down. It's lives being cut short by the weapons of armies. It is not, you know, zoomed out like a news story where the destruction is just a, a backdrop. This is right next to you. The horror. This is evil in the world so dark that, as Jesus says, 
the powers of heaven will be shaken. So Jesus' words of nearly 2,000 years ago sound a lot like our time, doesn't it? Like your uh, Apple News Alerts, or your Facebook, or your Twitter feed. Disasters, abuse, violence, wars, evil, it, it, it is all around us. It's, it's at work against us. Our own experiences and, and our own study of Scripture show this over and over again. I think this is why our Savior taught us to pray, do not bring us from the time of trial, as it's in the New Revised Standard Version of the Gospel of Matthew, but rescue us from evil. Deliver us from evil. Please, God. In the summer of 2010, many of you might remember some of this. I was into my first term as Flint's mayor. Great Recession was technically over, but here in Michigan, the economy was down, unemployment was up, crime was up, desperation, it, it, it was all around us. Police Chief Locke comes into my office, clutching a wad of papers, and says, we've got a serial killer. Those are two words you never want to hear together. Serial and killer. And Chief goes on, he, he got a guy last night, nearly cut him in half. He has at least five homicides, eight more stabbings, plus two more that may be linked, states Chief, as he hands me a sheet of paper with a table of dates, locations, and victims. I, I felt this, like, rattle in my bones. And it, it was like the air, you know, turned cold in that office, even though I think it was like 85 degrees. This is so horrible. Is this really happening, like, right here at home? These locations are just miles away in various directions from City Hall, from where we sit, where we are today in downtown. The lives lost, the tragedy. And, and then how did the team figure it out, I ask? Well, a Flint detective took a comment from an EMT about an increase in stabbings that weren't just in Flint, but in multiple jurisdictions. So, you know, each department's investigations were just getting started. And no one department had, had noticed this this pattern, with the earliest cases actually going back to the spring. The fragmentation of our system of government contributed to this problem. But now, because of an observant first responder, an inquisitive mind with a real nose for a suspect, we had a pattern of this tragic and, and terrifying behavior. So Chief informs me that Flint PD uh, could be the lead on the task force to investigate this as Flint had the most capable detective bureau in the area, the most experience with homicides, and 
No, frankly, this would be a once-in-a-generation case for the Flint PD to work on, for a Flint cop like Chief Locke, who graduated from Flint Northern High School, worked his way up the ranks, But, Chief continued, since the task force will involve numerous jurisdictions and levels of law enforcement, he had already requested the Michigan State Police to take the lead, to let you know, all of the agencies in on the action. So Chief's motivation to protect the public to get as many assets on the street as possible, to get the killer as, as, as quickly as possible. And in subsequent days, the spotlight shifts to the Michigan State Police, to the county prosecutor, and I don't think the public ever really saw the humility and the good judgment that was displayed by Flint's top cop. And, and detectives, but I did. I took note then, and I'm taking note again this morning, as to how exactly we were delivered from evil. So this, you know, this investigation goes on day after day. Captain tells me the streets are so quiet. He's hunting. The task force includes 12 full-time investigators, additional resources available on an as-needed basis. But with each passing day, you know, the, the trail appears to be winding further out instead of in. These investigations can take days. They can take months. They can take years. They can take decades. Then similar attacks occur in Toledo, Ohio, and Leesburg, Virginia. We have this 24-hour tip line. Hundreds and hundreds of tips are coming in. There's a, there's a picture, a sketch of the, of the possible suspect. One of our Flint detectives catches a tip that says a worker at a party store left town for Virginia. A Michigan State trooper wrote a ticket at that store to a worker for sale of liquor to minors. So we have a party store, we have a ticket, we have a name. Three-letter federal agency gets us a cell phone number, and that number pings between Ohio and Virginia. Chief calls me. We got him the serial killer. I, I breathe a sigh of relief. With pride in his voice, Chief explains to me how the resources of the task force kicked in. There was a tip. Flint detective caught this particular tip. We looked at that party store, state trooper. We got a ticket, a name. Every available asset was called in to interview friends and family and acquaintances of that individual. That cell phone number, that three-letter federal agency, the ping between Ohio and Virginia, and then U.S. Customs agents 
got him right before boarding an overseas flight at the Atlanta Hartsfield Jackson International Airport. Deliver us from evil. Jesus' words come down to us today. He's sharing, it's a message of hope in a world filled with terrifying conflicts and changes. Then it was the coming of the temple's destruction, what people hiding in the hills, starvation, war. Uh, Now we face a time of turbulence and violence. Uh, Your news feed has already filled you in. If you think about the stories you've seen over the last 24, 48 hours. And, And in that, Difficulty. I think we face a kind of temptation to uh, shut the door, right? to stay quiet, to turn inward, to take care of ourselves, to keep our lights on but hidden under a bushel. To just, you know, please God, survive the storm, survive the season, survive 2022, this pandemic. But in the later verses of today's scripture, Jesus says, Then many will fall away. They'll betray one another. They'll hate one another. And that love of many, it will grow cold. So I think we might find ourselves you know, wanting to argue back. But, but aren't those natural reactions to division, to crisis, to pain, to, to draw back, to hit back? Don't we feel entitled to lash back out, take that eye for an eye, fight fire with fire, to do unto others as they have done unto us? Isn't this how one survives in a dog-eat-dog society? But I see in the Lord's Prayer Jesus teaching us to pray for more than just survival. We're here to transform the world of grief and suffering and injustice to set the last at the front of the line, to set the captives free, to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And and this move from mine to ours, from stranger to friend to beloved, That's the story of Jesus over and over again. Jesus is asking us to pray for God to be merciful, to intervene in these terrifying moments, to cut the conflict short, bring us through to see the kingdom of peace on the other side. You know, each and every one of us were offered salvation through God's mercy. Through the Lord's prayer, we can Talk to God who sees what's happening, who who intervenes, who will deliver us from evil um, through an embracing kind of love. All people, all really meaning all, every tongue, every territory. And, you know, in exploring these last few weeks, how this community comes into being, I I came across the words of uh, Howard Thurman. He was a late professor now of philosophy and religion at Howard University, Boston University. 
who also had co-pastored the Church for the Fellowship of All Peoples, one of the first interracial churches in, in our country in the 50s. And he wrote in one of his books that when worlds crash and dreams whiten into ash, look well to the growing edge. Community cannot for long feed on itself. It can only flourish with the coming of others from beyond. Undiscovered and unknown brothers and sisters. So this book was published in 1956. Another one of his books, Jesus and the Disinherited, was reportedly read by Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. during the pivotal Montgomery bus boycott in 1955. And Reverend Thurman's uh, writings helped me see how we could be focusing on creating spaces of belonging where people feel you know, they're valued, their life is meaningful, where we make a home together. We constantly look out for those we don't know. Sound a lot like that Court Street Creed we say to each other. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And as I see it, through God's Son, our Jesus Christ, we're shown this way to salvation and to this beloved community, to this kingdom of heaven, but also this kingdom on earth. When we find ourselves afraid and under threat, it's then that we can decide to cross those boundaries, to cooperate, to collaborate. This is what Chief Locke did. When we find ourselves weary, exhausted, hungry, I think it's then that we are to share, to hang that bread on the hook, as Pastor Jeremy encouraged us to do, uh, to give cereal, to cross over, make an online contribution to the South Flint Soup Kitchen. One of the Proverbs tells us, some give freely, yet grow all the richer. Others withhold what is due and only suffer. So, you know, sharing, it means getting close, kind of squeezing in. And I think this is what it means to, to truly be a, a neighbor. That neighbor's right there, you know, right next to you. Sometimes might feel a little too close. But that's the space that we're called to work in. When we find ourselves burdened by those who trespass against us, who have hurt us, it's then I think we're to find and to forgive, as Jesus' many parables and teachings instruct us. God's will is for us to love God, love one another in the way of Jesus. Deliver us from evil. Right along with our neighbors. Let our prayers be fulfilled. That we enter into the kingdom here on earth. That we join together at the shared table. That we have bread and hunger and poverty will be no more. That we find forgiveness and hate and discrimination can be no more. That we will be delivered from evil and war will be no more. That we're embraced by the loving arms of the everlasting and almighty.
So let me end with a prayer. Yeah, I'm going to start with the Lord's Prayer as it's recorded in the, the Gospel of, of Matthew, in the New Revised Standard Version. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Mighty creator, deliver us from evil. Give us the courage and the strength to love beyond ourselves, to love beyond our walls. Make our church a place on that growing edge where true Christian community emerges and flourishes. We pray in your son's name. Amen.